God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Hallelujah. Thanking the Lord for his blessings this morning and for his great name, for his mercy and his kindness, and how he overshadows and protects us. Amen. Without Jesus, well, we're lost in this world. But I'm so great, grateful that I have the King of kings and the Lord of lords on my side. I've got his angels surrounding me. The Bible says that the angels of the Lord encamp around about those who fear him. How many fears the Lord this morning? So you've got angels around you. Hallelujah. You need to thank God every day for what he has done what he is continuing to do. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk to you this morning. Prayer and fasting in the course of history. If you would turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 13 and we will begin reading verse 1 through verse 4. Acts 13. This is our opportunity. Amen. Today is our opportunity. President Trump declared March 15th would be a day of prayer, and I believe that God wants to work miracles in our life. Amen. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaim, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. I believe I was supposed to dismiss the young people. Is that correct? Well, they are dismissed. <laughs> Amen. Verse 2, And as, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, and when they had fasted and prayed, somebody say that with me again, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus." Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your great blessings upon us. Touch our minds and our words and our lips that we would anoint, speak anointed words to the hearts of the hearers today. Give them encouragement. You're the lifter up of our head, Lord. We place our trust in you. And thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. In Jesus' name and, name, and everyone said amen. 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 You may be seated once again. Prayer, fasting, and the course of history. This is our opportunity. The scripture says they were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, and Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were ministering, that's what we were doing here a little bit ago as we were singing songs and playing instruments, we were ministering unto the Lord. The music and the singing that we give up is to the Lord. It's to minister to Him. It's not for our benefit. We don't come to 
the worship time for our purpose and benefit. But we're here to minister to the Lord. And they were fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Perhaps, and I'm going to conjecture here, God had made a statement to other individuals in this group. We know specifically he did to Saul. He told Ananias, he said, tell Saul that I've got a great work for him to do. And now God is finally opening doors about 10 years later. And now God is going to work not only through Saul, but those who are here worshiping and ministering and fasting and praying. And then when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Ghost, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. God opened the door. I believe that's what God wants to do in our lives today. There was a hungering for God at Antioch. They had set aside some time. It wasn't uh, uh, impending doom that was coming on them. They were hungry for God. Whatever happens in life, it should bring you around to a place where you seek after God. Not unto your own devices, not to hide yourself away, but to seek after God. That is really what God is calling us to in this day that we live in. Now, I believe it's God's will. We get right into our text here this morning and the situation that Paul and Barnabas and some other leaders of the church of Antioch were worshiping and they found themselves in. They started ministering and fasting to the Lord saying, God, what do you want us to do? We want to make the right decision. We're not just here making random decisions. We want to make the right decision for you, God. And so where, where do we go as a church? What do we do as a people? And how should we respond? And, and they were fasting to seek the face of the Lord. I, we could sit around and wring our hands and wonder and wish that something else would ha was happening. But this is what, how we find ourselves. And so we're going to be proactive in the best way that we know how to. And that's to seek the face of God in the situation that we're in. These individuals were hungry enough for the leading of God. They were hungry enough to put away food from their bodies. Not just the hunger in their hearts. We want your leading, O oh God. We want your leading, Holy Spirit. And what is your will for the mission of your church? I, I want to give you four observations from this reading this morning. Consider these observations. This was after Christ's coming. Now, I've heard some people say, well, fasting is only for uh, the Old Testament. We don't do that now in the New Testament. But I find this is a long time after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And here they are. They're fasting. They're buffeting their bodies. And they're saying, God, we are willing to put away a, a meal or two or three or several days worth of meals so that we might find your direction. You see, this gets you in alignment with God. So fasting is not just a part of the old wineskin that needs to be discarded. It is something for us right now. Perhaps it's a, a discipline that has been lost in Christianity. I, 
Uh, we, we talk a lot about prayer, but fasting is very important. Jesus even told the disciples at one point uh, they couldn't cast out a demon, and they asked Jesus. They said, well, you know, we've been praying, and we've been devoted to you, God, and why, 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 why can't we cast this spirit out? And Jesus said, these kind only come forth, uh, only come out uh, by prayer and fasting. There has to be some concerted discipline on our part to, to see God work the miraculous. You see, is God inhibited? Does God have any lack? No, he doesn't. But he is trying to get us in line with his kingdom work. Amen. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Uh, a lot of us think, well, I'm a pretty good person. Uh, I really don't need to repent. Uh, I'm here to tell you everybody, myself included, uh, needs to repent uh, and get their heart right with God. We can't look at each other and say, well, we're pretty good people. I think God is going to protect us and watch over us and, and not, nothing come to pass in our lives. Uh, that, that, you know, we're just going to sit here and hunker down. Uh, we better be active and say, God, it's me. It's my attitudes. It's my words. Uh, it's how I've acted. It's where I've gone. It's what I've done, Lord. Uh, I bring myself in alignment to you. Uh, I'm asking for your spirit to cleanse me and wash me one more time. Amen. And you see, they, they exampled this by doing it together as a group. The Bible says they were together and they were worshiping, ministering to the Lord and fasting and praying. Now, you know, there's another concern that Jesus warned against fasting that would be seen by men. He said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, he said, your father who sees in secret secret will reward you but Saul and Barnabas evidently do not take Jesus to mean group fasting as evil uh, you know when we do something here's the, the difference in the and uh, what Jesus was talking about the Pharisees would get in a public very public place and they wouldn't comb their hair they wouldn't wash their face and that what they wouldn't take care of themselves in rather everyday hygiene uh, methodology that we go through every day and they would let their clothes be dirty and they would tear them and they, they would put dirt on their head and they would stand in the corner and, and they would moan and, uh, and they would rock back and forth oh, and, and beat their chest and let everybody know that they were fasting that day. And Jesus said, well, if that's what you're going to do, your reward is other people seeing that you're fasting. But there's really no other reward besides that. He said, if you're going to fast, do it as unto the Lord. You don't have to walk around if someone offers offers your candy bar just say no thank you I'm offering this unto the Lord you don't have to blow a trumpet just and if you're going to fast don't complete complain to people that you're hungry just fast unto the Lord I have people that fast and say oh I'm so hungry and I always say well why don't you just go ahead and eat you know you've got your glory you've told me about it amen here we are we're seeing this group of people that's saying we're going to fast and Whatever we do, we do as unto the Lord. Amen. People will see what you're doing. I really would encourage everyone in here to spend some time fasting. You know, the Bible says there are health benefits to fasting. Yes. It's not just uh, a spiritual benefit, and there, uh, that's what ultimately we, were, we are looking for, but there are health benefits to you fasting. It is okay for you to put away 
a little bit of food in our life. Amen? Amen. And number three, an okay, it was an occasion for the Spirit's special guidance. When you set a, times, a, a time for yourself by f- prayer and fasting, you offer yourself and open yourself up to the direction that God can give you in his guidance. Verse 2 says, and while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Verse 3, then when they had fasted and prayed, they continued to do that and laid their hands on them. They sent them away. There was some direction in what God wanted them to do. Luke clearly here in the writing in the book of Acts, he clearly, clearly wants us to see a connection between worship, prayer, and fasting on the one hand and guidance from God on the other hand. Sometimes you're, you're looking for direction and you, you don't know where to find it. This is how you get it. You can take it from this scripture here. You can say, God, I'm going to fast and pray. I'm going to seek after your will. You know, if you will pray, God will answer you. And number four, probably the most important point that I want to make today is this fasting and prayer changed the course of history. Most, time, most of the time, we don't know the changes that are taking place only in, until after they have taken place and look back. And we have, I was thinking today of this, uh, or yesterday and several days ago, about this very point and how Things change so slowly sometimes that we don't realize. And then other times they change so quickly. I, I've often thought about that little f- telephone table that my grandmother had. And it was a special table that uh, she had this black rotary phone. Now, most of us in here have seen a black rotary phone. But there are others in here that have never seen a black rotary phone. I personally don't even have a landline in my house. I just have a cellular telephone that I can carry around in my pocket. And, and uh, the, you know, there, there are a lot of changes. I probably would have never thought that. I remember seeing, uh, reading about someone that said they don't have a landline in their phone, in their house. And I, I thought, well, why would they do that? You know, that just seems so ridiculous. Why not just have a, a cell phone for uh, extraordinary purposes, but you have a landline at home? But uh, I got to thinking, you know, I, I'm paying for this additional service that I'm not, I rarely use because the phone rarely rang except for somebody trying to sell me something. And I thought, well, I'm going to eliminate that. And I stopped take the, the subscription to the phone and got rid of the phone. And, and now, well, they'd call my cell phone and try to sell me stuff. But they changed the course of history. You know, it's almost impossible to overstate the historical importance of this moment here in Antioch's history, in the history of the world. Before this very event that I'm talking to you about, Paul had made no missionary journeys westward to Asia Minor, to Greece or to Rome or to Spain. Before this, Paul had not written any of his letters 
which were all the result of his missionary travels beginning here. His missionary travels caused him to be thrown into prison. His missionary travels caused him to come under great persecution. And, and because of those missionary travels, we have 21, at least 13, out of the 21 New Testament books, we have 13 because of the trial and trouble and the tribulations that the Apostle Paul went through. They could have said, well, we're happy here in Antioch. Don't let anything come against us. You know, if you think you're secure, take heed lest you fall. This moment of prayer and fasting resulted in a missionary movement that would make Christianity the dominant religion of the Roman Empire. I have a hard time getting my words out this morning. Why don't you say a prayer for me right now in Jesus' name. Pray for me right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Pray for me right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I have found out when I have a hard time praying that the enemy doesn't want it, or preaching, the enemy doesn't want it, want it to be said. I have a... I have found out when the enemy doesn't want me to say, he'll cause me to stumble over my words. And because of this prayer and fasting, we have 13 books out of the New Testament you can hold in your hand. 13 books out of the New Testament. Amen. And most likely, you and I are here because of this prayer and fasting, because we're all from the Western world. Amen. The Western part, I'd say everybody ex except maybe a few of us are from the Western part of Europe, our ancestors, that is. And we're here today because of a prayer time of prayer and fasting. What long-term effects have taken place because this group of individuals got together and said, we're going to pray and fast until we hear from God and God gives us some direction. What would happen in this place here today if we would pray and fast and say, God, I want to hear from you. Give me some direction on what to do. And then when God tells you what to do, you go ahead and do it. Don't pray and fast for a period of time and then God gives you direction and you say, well, God, that's not exactly what I was praying for and fasting for. Uh -huh. I, I've known of people to do that. Uh, and they pray and they fast. They go several days without uh, meals and then God gives them direction. And they say, wait a minute, God, that's not what I was praying and fasting about. You prayed and fasted and said, God, I want you to give the answer and God gave the answer and the best answer is his answer, not my answer. That's why I'm praying and fasting, because my answers have been failures. Amen? So I think that prayer and fasting would be a launching pad for an answer from God. It would change the course of world history. Amen? I, I, now, you can say, well, the president is just doing that to appease and try to... I'm, I'm not sure what his motivations were. I'm not even going to try to uh, uh, conjecture what they were. But, you know, the Bible says uh, 
that he puts words in our mouth. The Bible says that he raises one up and he sets a, puts another one down. So at this time, uh, Donald J. Trump is the president of the United States and God has allowed him, whether you voted for him or not, uh, has allowed him to speak words that would motivate us uh, to do the right thing. Amen? And not a political speech at all. I'm not trying to imply or, or say anything I'm in that aspect. I'm just saying that God has used a leader to motivate us to pray. It has happened time and time again in history. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Moabites and Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. Now this was a terrifying horde of violent people. Have you ever been concerned about your public, your, your personal safety? And you, you were very careful how you walked or where you went or what you did or what you said because you knew your life was threatened and in danger? This was a whole people group. The nation of Israel was threatened by the, this Ammonites and, and Moabites. This violent horde of people. What could the people do? What direction should they turn? Verse 3 says, Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. They came together. This is a time to unify ourselves together. This is a time as believers to unify ourselves together. Amen. Let me see if I can get a heartier amen. This is a time for all believers to unify ourselves together. Amen. Now, as they were fasting and praying for divine guidance in verses 14, 15 in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, and he said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Amen. When words are spoken to us to cause fear to come into our life, you need to say, the battle is not mine, it's the Lord's. The battle is not mine, it's the Lord's. Someone said, are you hiding? Yeah, I'm hiding behind the Lord. Amen. He is the one that's leading the way. I'm letting him make the way, and I'm hiding behind him because he's my protector. He's my deliverer. He's the one that guides me and leads me. I think the prophecy went forth on Wednesday night, was it? Sunday morning. We had a missionary Sunday morning. And I remember the Spirit of the Lord came here, and I just said, let's wait on the Spirit of the Lord. What what the prophecy say, if you can remember it, Mother? Amen. Do not fear. Do not fear. Don't look around to the right hand or the left hand and say, I'm going to be afraid. Hey, we are not like other people around us. Amen. Now, 
I, I, we could enumerate and give you all kinds of statistics and the circumstances and you have received them ad nauseum of watching the TV and the news and it's just a replay over and over again so we're not going to repeat what you already know but here I am telling you something today that we are uh, living in a time of victory through Jesus Christ. Amen. Jehaziel said to King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And what looked like defeat and calamity was overnight turned into a stunning victory. Amen. Amen. I, I want to give bring it to something that's happened in the lifetime of many individuals in this place how a day of prayer and fasting saved Great Britain at Dunkirk Dunkirk is a uniquely enthralling story and how can we resist this story of being surrounded by overwhelming enemies and faced with imminent Annihilation. It almost seems like a reworking of the miracle of the biblical exodus and with the English Channel being the Red Sea. And even yet today, the word miracle hangs over what happened here at Dunkirk. Perhaps many of you know what happened. And many of you were alive yet, maybe albeit children, but you were alive when this happened. On May 10th, 1940, Adolf Hitler unleashed a military onslaught on France, the most powerful military machine at that time in the world, professional soldiers. Within days, the British Army outmaneuvered and unprepared, along with soldiers of other allied nations, found themselves with their backs to the sea and hemmed in by enemies. The German high command was able to boast with confidence that its troops were proceeding to annihilate the British army. And that's what had been planned. So that is the total destruction of an entire army. Winston Churchill found himself preparing to announce to the public an unprecedented military catastrophe involving the capture or death of almost a half a million soldiers. But it didn't happen. On May 23rd, King George VI requested that the following Sunday should be observed as a national day of fasting and prayer. Late on Sunday evening, as the military decision was taken to try to evacuate as many as possible, they had not transport vessels. They may have had one or two, but not enough. But they had little tugboats, little sailboats. <laughs> There's little, just small little pleasure boats. 800 of them, I think they counted. Someone like 800 of these little boats, and they crammed as many people, many soldiers as they could on each vessel and then sailed them across from the beachhead there at Dunkirk all the way to the other side, on the English side. 
800 small little vessels. Something that would have taken an astounding uh, uh, number of hours to load on. And we see all these individuals were able to be loaded on to these small vessels. You know, even before the prayer started, and this has been my experience, I remember hearing Brother Barnes talk about he was so poor in, in, the, in Arkansas that he didn't even have any. He said, I have some old brogans, but they're all, he said, they're, they're a mess. He said, I don't want to wear those to church. And he said, Lord, I don't, he, you called me to preach. I don't even have any shoes. How am I going to get up to the pulpit and I don't even have shoes to preach in? And so he, was out, he said he was out praying praying that day and say, God, I need some shoes. you got to supply the need. I I can't get up and stand before people and not have any shoes on my feet. So he's praying. You see, none of us thought about that this morning because we probably had two or three or four pairs and you even had a couple running shoes if you had to, you know. But he didn't even have that. And he's saying, God, I need a pair of shoes. And he prayed all day for a pair of shoes. And he said he came home the next day. Stayed out there and prayed and came home and on the front porch was a box. And inside that box was a pair of shoes. Brand new shoes, never been worn. The man that had bought them said, you know, I came here yesterday, early in the day, and I, I, something told me to bring these shoes, that Brother Barnes needed these shoes. You see, even before he went to the woods to pray, God had already started to answer his prayer by moving on an individual to say, I've never wore these shoes. I bought these shoes for myself, but I'm going to give them to this man here because I feel led to. You see, even before you start praying, when you make the intent to pray, that God starts moving on your behalf. So yet, even before the prayer began. Curious events started taking place. A decision that infuriated his generals and still baffles historians today. Adolf Hitler ordered his army to halt. Had they continued to fight, the destruction of the Allied forces would have been inevitable, severe, and total. And war, the war would have taken a much darker and different and terrible path than it did. Yet for three days, the German tanks and soldiers stood idle, three days, while the evacuation unfolded. Why? You say, well, it was a matter of coincidence. It, it, it just... It just played out that way. It, it, uh, you know, it's all the things aligned up. You know, there were some people that were praying. Uh, it, it, was, it was encouraged by Churchill himself. He said it, this phrase, the miracle of Dunkirk, because on that particular day, there were lines of people that knew there was imminent destruction, not only for the army, but there was going to be an invasion in their country and they filled the streets headed toward the cathedrals and small churches and lines of people could not get inside the buildings. They were there to pray and fast and seek the face of God and God intervened by allowing the army to escape. Not only that, but there was bad weather on Tuesday and grounded the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force, 
and allowed uh, they couldn't fly and it was too foggy and the, it was overcast and there there were uh, they it was and then they the 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 the, the uh, English Channel itself was very calm and smooth. Normally, it's choppy and it's rough at this time of the year, but it, it was just unusually calm, and, and the, the sailing was very easy. And so by the time the German army was finally ordered to, to renew its attack, uh, over 338,000 soldiers, uh, allied soldiers, had been removed from the beach at Dunkirk, uh, and they were saved. I want you to know that we still serve a prayer-answering God. We still serve a God that is on the throne. And while fear and trepidation and doubt and uncertainty and anxiety can be all around you, you can be an island of stability and faith, believing that God is working a miracle on your behalf. You could argue that it was a coincidence. But it wasn't considered that way at that time, and I don't think it's this way now. Dunkirk stands as an extraordinary encouragement to fast and pray. In times of need, at every level of life, at every challenge, be it a personal crisis to what we're currently facing. And although our nation may not be facing imminent military catastrophe on the scale that Britain was in 1940. We are surrounded by overwhelming trepidation. I know light has been made of toilet paper today. And we can all say and expound on the ridiculousness of toilet paper and the amount that's been purchased. And I could even see food supplies, you know, rice or Potatoes, uh, I, I can understand that. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it shows you the, the level of panic and anxiety and fear that grips people. Amen. Amen. And while we're not uh, here to make light of any contagious illness, I, I'm, I'm concerned about the influenza virus. 22,000 to 50,000 people in the United States have died this year. It's been an extremely severe influenza uh, season. 22,000 to 55,000. That's for CDC statistics. And most of those people are elderly and, and uh, they have underlying health conditions. We understand that. And we're not make, here to make light um, of, of the common cold, which... Um, we have no known cure for. And it, it develops in pneumonia and, and other things happen because of the common cold. So we're not here to make light of any contagious illness or sickness. What we are here to say is that we are not going to uh, hunker down in fear. Uh, we're going to take precautions. We're going to do the right thing. We're not going to be, I still wear a seatbelt when I get in the car. It's the most thing, dangerous thing I do every day is get into an automobile. I wear a seatbelt. Uh, I do if I'm on a motorcycle. I don't own one. But if I'm on one, uh, I believe you should wear a helmet. And that's my personal opinion. You can do what you want. But I've only got one head. And if I should ever fall off one of those things, I don't want my head to crack. Amen? Because you won't see me here probably. 
I do take precautions in life. I don't run, run through life. I, I don't run around the, the, my living room with open scissors in my hand. <laughs> Amen. So it's not, we're not saying that we just abandon all common sense. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that we serve a God who's still in control. We serve a God who still has our welfare and interest at heart. Amen. He sees, the Bible says, he knows the hairs on my head. He sees every sparrow, every bird that lights off a branch and lands on the ground. However many millions of times every day that that happens. He knows what's my thoughts are far off. The Bible says he, he, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And one man said, and all the gold under those hills. We serve a mighty, mighty God. I'm not going to live in fear. Dunkirk may have been a military epic that should be remembered, but far more importantly, it's an encouragement to fast and pray. So this morning, as you stand to your feet, I'm appealing to you to devote yourself to fasting and prayer. Would you pray today? Would you perhaps do without lunch today? Amen. Would you seek the face of God? I'm appealing to you. That Psalms 46 and verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. It's been quoted already this morning, but it's really something we need to take to heart. He is our ever-present. In other words, it's not just on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or just occasionally when we're thinking about it. God is present with me every day, all the time, to answer my prayers, to surround me with his love, his protecting hand. Hallelujah. Would you just raise your hands this morning? Would you commit to him? Would you talk to him right now, Jesus? I trust you, Lord. I commit my life into your hands. Renewed one more time. I praise you, God, for the mercy that you've bestowed upon us. For this is a day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad therein. Thank you, Savior, for your mercy and your kindness. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, as they sing a song, would you come and pray this morning?